You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, The Kingdom of God, we trace the story of God's kingdom throughout the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Genesis 3. Turn with me to Genesis 3. Um, I want to pray for us as we try to give the parents just a, a little bit of time to make their way back. So let me pray for us and we'll, we'll dive in. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that you have saved us. Father, I, I pray today that um, as we look at the brokenness of our lives, the brokenness of the world around us. Father, I pray that this does one thing and it just shows us how big you are that you've saved us, how loving you are that you saved us. Lord, I hope it, it honestly lets us see how far away from God we were and not only that, but our sin. Our sin compared to your holiness is massive. And Lord, not until we see that do we truly have joy in what you have done, that we truly will love others as you have loved us, that we would truly be ambassadors and agents of reconciliation in this world. And Father, I just pray that through your Holy Spirit and your word today that you will change us and you will help us see just a little bit more our sin, see the brokenness of the world and the good news of Christ. And also the, the main thing that, that, Lord, I'm praying and asking that they, each one of us will see, including myself, that we were made for so much more than our own little world. And Lord, we were made to be part of your kingdom. Lord, I ask you to help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we are in week three of our series on the kingdom of God. And um, just to catch everybody up, because I know some of us are, are dropping in on week three of this series, uh, what we've been saying is the kingdom of God can be summed up in this phrase, it is God's people in God's place under God's rule. And we see this all the way from Genesis to Revelation, that the kingdom of God is about God's people in God's place under God's rule. In fact, we would, I was arguing in the very first week of the sermon series that the Bible's thematic theme is the kingdom of God. The thing that holds everything together from Genesis to Revelation is the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is the theological center of all that. That means that everything from Genesis to Revelation is pointing us to Christ. It is showing us who Jesus is. And the Old Testament is pointing to it. And then obviously we have the Gospels that shows us his life and, and who he is and, and who God is. And then the epistles on how to live life out as a believer. And then Revelation kind of showing us all the fulfillment, actually, of, of many of the things all throughout the Bible. So again, it's, it's God's people and God's place under God's rule. That's what the kingdom of God is. And Jesus is the theological center, and he governs his kingdom through covenant. And last week we looked at God creating a place for his people in, in Eden, and he created a, a covenant with them called the covenant of works. 
Now in this covenant of works within Eden, Adam and Eve was immediately given a vision and commission that would take them far beyond the borders of their own needs and concerns. They were called to do kingdom work, right? It wasn't, okay, I created you, I put you in this place, now it's all about you. No, they had work to do, they had things to do, and it was under God's word and God's rule that they would do them. They were called to do something bigger than just live for themselves. The, the quote that we had last week in, from Paul Tripp that kind of kind of hit home a little bit, at least it did for me, and, and maybe it does for you a little bit, um, is thinking about that we were created for more than that, is this, we were never meant to be self-focused little kings ruling minuscule little kingdoms with a population of one. That's a, that's a mouthful, but it does hit home that, that we were not created just to look inward, to be all about ourselves. It's just, our, my life is about me. We were created for more than that. We were created for more than that. But this statement right here shows us that something went wrong. <laughs> so God created this perfect creation and created us and created us in a certain way that we, we want to be about God's kingdom and about kingdom things, but something went wrong. And today we're going to talk about what happened. We're going to talk about what happened in Genesis 3. Now, we're not going to go through the whole chapter. We'll just hit bits and pieces of it as we kind of progress and we kind of keep the, the theme of the kingdom of God um, at hand as we look at this. And I know that we have been, again, talking about this. We, we did a series on original sin, and this just keeps coming up, it seems like, as I seek God on what to talk about. And, and as, as Nate alluded to, it, it's about seeing whether or not we understand the gap that was actually there between us and God. That we actually see our sin for what it is. That we actually see just how far away from God we were until he called us to himself. And I, I don't think that until we truly see that, right, that, that this joy that we, whenever we come in on a Sunday morning, we're, we're singing songs, and, and what joy rises up is the joy that we know that we've been forgiven of much. We've been forgiven of so much. I think most of us have experienced this where we've seen somebody who has, has been living a life of maybe addiction and all of a sudden someone brings the gospel to them and God changes their heart and all of a sudden all those chains are falling off and you know that person, you've talked to that person. Why? Because they're always talking to you and what are they talking about? They're talking about what Christ did to them. But some of us have, have grown up in church and some of us you know, maybe don't have that moment in life or that, that great thing that he saved us from. So we think that, oh, you know, it's, it's just part of my life. But really, your sin, your, even just your little lie that maybe that you said this past week just to appease somebody or so someone doesn't think less of you or something, that, that little lie is just as great as any other sin to God because he is holy. He is set apart. And it is not until that day, and Jesus says in the, in, in the uh, um, Sermon on the Mount where he says that until we are poor in spirit, and I think that's what that means, until we truly understand our sin and just what it means to sin against a holy 
God, do we truly find that joy? Do we truly become agents of reconciliation? Do we truly go and care about not only our lives, but the people around us and everybody in the world because it's all broken and it's all broken from what happened in Genesis 3. So let's read what happened. Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now that's actually skewing what God said, right? But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. That's just a flat-out lie from the serpent. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a light to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So in a massively tragic twist of this story that we've been looking at about the kingdom of God as we're looking through the story of the Bible, in a tragic twist, Adam and Eve seek to usurp God's authority. Say they were God's people in God's place under God's role, his word that he gave them within this covenant of works that he gave them, and then they decide to usurp his authority. They rejected God's kingdom, and they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There was two trees within this garden. One was the, it was the, the tree of life, and then there was one that was the tree of death. And they chose to eat from the tree of death. Adam and Eve chose to disobey, God, disobey God's word, breaking the covenant, therefore receiving the curse. Remember, we said that the covenant was a bilateral covenant, means there's two parties, right? And if you obey it, there's blessings. If you disobey, there's curses. Adam and Eve disobeyed, so the curse is death. Now, they didn't immediately die, but we see already in the text that something already died and what died was their relationship with God because he was walking in the garden, in, in the Eden, and, and what were they doing? They were hiding. They knew something was wrong, right? Just at, at one point in time, they were naked, unashamed, and everything was great, and all of a sudden, they were hiding, and they knew they were naked, and shame came upon them, and guilt came upon them. And the whole cosmos kind of cracked at that point in time. Again, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God's word, breaking the covenant, therefore receiving the curse. The kingdom plan was corrupted when a rival kingdom slithered into the ear of Eve and Adam. And what's happened is now false kingdoms are instantly part of the picture. Every generation afterward, this includes us today, will face the same choice. Which king kind of kingdom will they construct? See, as I kind of teased as we left here last week that we were, we were talking about that, you know, we're talking about do we serve our kingdom or do we see, serve God's kingdom? And I said that there's some inheritance that it, it's some, in some way is, is hurting our ability to serve God's kingdom. And, and this is what it is. It's the fall. It's original sin. Every human being is affected by it. 
And the question is, are we constructing little kingdoms with a population of one, or are we joining in God's plan to build his kingdom? Adam and Eve had a choice. This is part of being human. Adam and Eve can obey God or they can defy him. They can yield to God's law and enjoy life, or they can try to find their own way apart from his instruction and experience death. That was the choice that they had before them. What in essence Adam and Eve did at that moment in time is, is they stopped believing God and his goodness and they usurped their autonomy. Most of us know what that word is and, and how it's used, but they became a law unto themselves. A definition of autonomy that I, that I ran across in studying was this, choosing oneself as the source for determining what is right and wrong, rather than relying on God's word for direction. So you see what's happening with Adam and Eve, they've, they've chose to, to be their own God, they've chose to rule their own kingdom, although they were designed to be part of God's kingdom, to live under his rule, they chose to disobey. They chose their own autonomy. See, God made a place for his people, gave them his word to rule their life, and they rebelled. Now, because Adam sinned, every human that has been born and will be born has inherited Adam's guilt and Adam's corruption. So every single one of us sitting here, every human being that you bump into out there in the world today have all been affected by the same sin. We have Adam's guilt and Adam's corruption. Paul says this in Romans 5, 12, and then in Romans 3 also. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. In Romans 3.23, most of you can quote that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So in other words, every single one of us, when we're born, in fact, David says, in my mother's womb was I a sinner. In my mother's womb was I a sinner. That's Joe's translation. We're all guilty because our heart has been corrupted with the desire to be autonomous. Right? So that's, that's how we're wired. We're, we're wired coming out of the womb. Just It's our own autonomy. It's our own world. It's our own kingdom. That's what I live for. And then we start having influences in our lives that kind of break up the kingdom a little bit. If you're, if you're going to live in my house under my rules, you're going to have to live in my little kingdom, your parent says, right? And it keeps getting broken up. But eventually, at some point in time in your life, the gospel is presented and God changes your heart so that you may respond to his kingdom, to, to what he has done and what he has for you. But up until that point, you really don't have a choice. You, you're, you're set and your heart is set and you're dead set on one thing and one thing only. I live for me. I, I am my own boss. I am my own king. I'm living for myself. It's all about me. It's all about me. I mean, if you stop and think about this, the idea of, of living for your own little kingdom, right? The, the main thing that was broken, Adam and Eve did not die physically, but what died? Their relationship between themselves, 
right? Because before they were, they were with each other and, all of a, and they were naked and didn't bother them. Now all of a sudden they're naked and they're hiding from one another. And then God comes and starts walking in the garden and they're, they're ducking for cover because they're hiding for God. So what has truly been broken is the relationship. See, we were, we were made to be in relationship. That's how we were made. And pr predominantly we were made to be in relationship with God and then one another. So if you stop and think about it, the root of every broken relationship in your life is two kingdoms are coming together and there's no give. I'm living for my kingdom and this person's living for that kingdom. And, and you're, you're together for a while and you're together for a while because that person is helping you to fulfill your kingdom. And this person, you know, you're helping that person fulfill their kingdom. And that's how we live. And then, then whenever this butts up against each other and they're no longer used to me, I, I kick them to the curb. Now, I know not all of us sitting here are married, but probably most of us have had a boyfriend or girlfriend, and is that not how it ended? Right? They were no more longer useful for your kingdom, so you kick them to the curb. And then once you get married, now it's much harder to kick them to the curb. <laughs> now you got, a, you got two people living for their own kingdom, even if they're saved, because that sin still lingers, that heart is, has been changed, but it, we know that it's progressively being sanctified. But then you get these two people that are living under the same house all day long and, and every weekend and week out, and they have their own two little kingdoms, and they're trying to work this out. And, and let me just give a, a hint to all those that are married. Until the day that you give up your own little kingdom and start helping your spouse live for that kingdom, God's kingdom, it's going to go badly for you. There's always going to be tension. There's always going to be tension. So, so we can see that this, this, this problem that Adam and Eve gave us, this propensity to always be living for our own kingdom, doesn't it mess up so much around you? Just stop and think about any headline that you heard this past week of something bad happening. And most likely, if you stop and think about it long enough, you can find out, oh, that person's, somebody got in the way of that person living out their kingdom. Isn't that how people get hurt all the time? It's, it's my kingdom, I'm living it out, you're getting in my way, I will hurt you. I will become violent. I will say things about you. That's how all relationships are broken. And the only way that this gets fixed is if, if we give up our own little kingdoms and we begin to live for something bigger than ourselves. We start, start living for God's kingdom. We see hints of that as we attach ourselves to sports teams and we become fans of sports teams and, and we live out bigger things or, or maybe we're, we're part of drama clubs or we're in a marching band or we're, we do all these different kind of activities. And, and why do we enjoy it so much is because we get to step out into what we truly are designed to be and that is to live for something bigger than just Joe. Just Joe. So this is what's happened. Every person you bump into, every person that, that you will see this week, this is happening inside of their hearts. What happened in the garden is truly the central catastrophe of the human history. It is almost impossible to overstate the huge, hugeness of its significance. Here is how big the disaster was and is, and it's already been alluded to, I know Nate alluded to it. When Adam and Eve fell, the entire cosmos fell with them. 
This is what Sam read for us in our scripture reading. Romans 8.21 is just a part of it, and I know it goes down in 8.22 where it talks about creation groaning, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage. I mean, whenever we look at, at, at Genesis 1 and 2, the creation was not in any kind of bondage, but here in, in Romans 8, now it's waiting to be set free, and we know that that happens in Revelation. It's to be set free from corruption and obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. But the amazing thing is, yet with all the havoc that sin wreaked on the physical world and on the human community, there was another horrible result. And I've already alluded to it a little bit. It was something so horrific that it easily stands as the saddest thing that has ever happened on earth. This tragedy is captured in a seemingly mundane conversation. If you look with me again at, at Genesis 3 and pick it up in verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to me, with, uh, gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. So we're already starting to blame each other. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. What a sad, sad moment. Here is a man created to have the boundaries of his life reach the furthest boundaries of the glory of God. And now he's hiding, hiding behind a bush. Here's one who is created to get his identity, to get his meaning and purpose from an in intimate relationship with God. He's now hiding from that person. That's what we do so much is we're hiding and we're covering because of guilt and shame. We're hiding and covering when, when God's called us out of that because he saved us. There's no more guilt, there's no more wrath. Jesus took it for us. We no longer have to, um, have to worry about the, the, the wrath that comes because disobedience because Jesus was a perfect, he, he perfectly obeyed in our place. His righteousness gets credited to us. It's amazing, just literally amazing how much God loves us. Here's a person in Adam whose every word, thought, desire, and deed were meant to be shaped by a heartfelt submission to and worship of his creator. But what do we find him doing? He hides in fear when, when the one who is meant to be his life comes close to him, comes near. That's why I say so many times, whenever sin comes up, whenever we do sin, whenever even our brother and sister points us that you have sinned, we do not run from the cross, we run to the cross. He's forgiven us. That's where grace is found. We don't hide. We don't cover. We, we go to the cross. Confession, repentance. That's part of our Christian life. It's part of our everyday Christian life. It's, it's a healthy way to live as a Christian because we're going to mess up every day. But his cross is still there and he's still waiting for us to come to him. 
We're children. We're his children. In a moment of conscious rebellion, he, Adam, has treated his life as being no bigger than his life. Isn't that what happened? The, the serpent deceived him. Yeah, sure. Okay. He put a thought in his mind. Gee, that gets done, what, about 10 million times a day for us, now that the whole world's at our fingertips. But he consciously said, you know what? It's better for me to eat of that tree and become my own God than it is to follow and, and listen to the God who created me. Right? That's, that's what's happened here. Last week we talked about transcendence. Again, this is just a, a big word for the idea that we are meant and designed for something greater than just our own little kingdoms, our own little lives. The idea that God designed us to live for more than ourselves. And guys, this is the war that is waged every day in all of us. Do we live a life of autonomy, kingdom with an audience of one? Or do we live a life where we're meant to live a life of transcendence, a life that God designed for us to live? We have a choice. Again, if we are born-again believers, if God has changed our hearts, why do we need a changed heart? Because those that don't have a changed heart, they don't have a choice. Their only choice is to live for their own kingdom. You know why? Because the only thing that can disrupt that is God's word. And we know that the, the, our Bible tells us that the God's word is foolishness to those that are perishing. But in God's grace, he sends one of us who, are, who have seen our sin, who who someone has, has told us the gospel and God has sent the spirit and changed our hearts and now, now all of a sudden the, the gospel means something to us. Not until that happens do they have a choice. But he's called us to be part of something bigger. Not just to live our lives and in our own little words, but to actually bump into these people that are, were in the same boat that we were in, that we're still struggling to kind of wait for complete completion out of, to share with them the good news of what Christ has done. Yeah, it, it sounds com completely foolish, doesn't it? And Paul talks about that all the time. Wait a minute, you're telling me that when I just, when I tell people the goodness of what Christ has done, that, that there's something happening? Yes, there is. It's not you. You're not saving anybody. It's God sending the Spirit to change someone's heart. And that's why sometimes, in, and I know that probably all of you have this, you have family members or friends or, or people that you've been speaking the gospel to for years. Some of you have seen them come to faith. Some have not yet. But, you know, it's nothing wrong with what you're doing. It's all in God's timing and God's plan. It's all Him saving us. We are just called to deliver a message. To deliver a message. And oftentimes that message means so much more whenever we can say, you know what, this is, this is what I'm, I see that you're struggling with this, I struggled with this also, and this is how Christ helped me. That's the gospel. This is how He helped This is. This is why I trust in him because of all that he did, all that we celebrate on Easter. And again, since this horrible moment in the garden, 
Every human being has tended to confuse autonomy with transcendence. In other words, we think that, that once my kingdom is so big that I can rest, that, that that's when every, I'll have greatest joy and greatest happiness, and it's just a lie from the pit of hell. We are meant to live lives serving and loving on others. That's how he created us. And again, this is not just the struggle for those that do not believe. It's also a struggle for us. We struggle with this because we're, we're not fully sanctified yet. We're a work in progress. And because of this, there are two things that we must always keep in view. First, the ongoing tendency to treat my life as if it were no bigger than my life. In other words, don't fall into what Adam did. Don't, don't think that, that, that everything about your life is just about you. I mean, that'll crush us. That'll crush us. We all need to be examining the places where we still tend to live for ourselves. Maybe this comes out in being more personally excited by the acquisition of material things than by, by growing in my relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're more excited about buying the next whatever it is than spending time with the Lord in in prayer or with your brothers and sisters or in the word. Maybe it comes out as being in conflict with another person because they are in the way of something I am convinced that I need. I need this to further my kingdom, so I'm going to take you out <laughs> to get what I think I need. Maybe it is exhibited by a stronger desire to win a conversation than a desire for loving unity. There is a great temptation in all of us to reduce all that God has taught us and done in us down to the size of our personal concerns in our own little kingdoms, in our own little lives. Yes, it is, it is absolutely right and just and good to come in and sing of all the things that Christ has done for us. That is good and right. The work of Christ will help you enjoy a better marriage, be a better friend, enjoy better relationships with your children, and do better at work and at school. Because you're no longer focused on just me. What about me? What about me? You're looking around you and seeing the people around you. You can love on them. It is true that if you deal with your heart issues, you make progress in all these areas, right? If, if we're working out our salvation daily, then we can improve in all these areas. But when God enters our lives by His grace, He isn't working to make our kingdom work so much as He is calling us to an excitement with a dedication to a much greater kingdom. As often as, I, as I'm doing studies, I, I find these quotes that this kind of beat me up and I get to come and share them with you. <laughs> so Paul Tripp gives us this warning. Just, I'm going to read this slowly. Just listen to what his heart, talking about the gospel, talking about your hearts. Most of us have learned how to celebrate our inclusion in God's great and glorious work. While Functionally caring very for little, sorry, functionally caring for little that does not directly address us. In doing this, we have Christianized our autonomy. That's the sentence that's been beating me up for a week now. 
we have Christianized our autonomy. Essentially, we are asking God to give his endorsement to our attempt to shrink the transcendent glories of his kingdom to the size of our circle of personal concern. And even though we are trying to live inside of our, if God's boundaries, we have still manufactured a life where self is at the center. Where self is at the center. I'm not going to add to that. In doing this, we have Christianized our autonomy. And it's just a warning. Just examine your own heart. We're, here when we're done, we take communion, and that's a time to examine your heart. The second thing we must keep in view, and again, this is something I've been harping on, I know, all morning long, we must keep in mind that the fall was a total disaster. It was just a, a complete and total disaster. Again, it is hard to find words that do justice to the unimaginable devastation that sin wreaked on everything that God created. Its effect was total and complete. Again, you may be wondering, as if you're still wondering why it is so important to keep the fall of, of the world in your mind, it's simple as this. This is necessary because it is only when you remember how big the effects of sin are that you will live the way God calls you to live. It's the only way that when you see the devastation of sin all around you and in your heart and how big that is. Here is the logic of living in light of the purpose of God. If sin's devastation is, is as wide as creation, then the scope of redemption must be just as big. If sin's devastation is as wide as creation, then the scope of his redemption, what he is doing to redeem us, is the same size, which is just incredible. To think that me, a grain of sand on a beach, the God of the universe cares so much for me, and he cares so much for you also. This means that, that we live with this idea of restoration in view in every situation, in, in every location that we're at, whether we're at school or at work or we're at home or we're in a neighborhood or at football practice or wherever we're at. That we're thinking about this restoration and who that we can just love on. doesn't mean that you have to get to the gospel every single time, but you can love on them. You can build a relationship in every relationship in which God please, places me. See, what he does is he calls us out of our little kingdom, right? He gives us talents, he gives us gifts, he gives us resources and time to be about his kingdom, to live for his kingdom. The goal of his kingdom is the complete restoration of every last thing that was damaged by the fall. You must no longer live for yourself. Grace has led you through the door to something more and better. Let me just quote Paul Tripp again. You have been chosen to transcend, to tr transcend the boundaries of your own hopes and dreams, to transcend the boundaries of your own plans and purposes, and to transcend the borders of your own family and friends. You have been chosen to transcend the furthest re uh, reach of your own definition of glory to be part of a greater glory, the glory of God and his work of making all things new. So we were, we were called, we were saved into something bigger. It's not just about our own little kingdoms. 
So the question is, is have you settled for living too small? In the midst of the total disaster of sin, have you settled for something good when you've been chosen to be, some, be part of something so great that's been orchestrated by God, the Creator? I call you into that. Step into that today. And let me just close by listening to God's speak to you out of 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. God says this to you today. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I just pray that you would work in hearts today. Lord, there's no way, don't put the burden, I pray that no one puts the burden on themselves that, that they can change, absolutely change everything by walking out the door and saying, I'm gonna change it all. It can't happen. But there's one step that they can make today. There's one thing that as, as we take time to worship you in communion, if they would open their hearts, you would speak to them to the one thing that they could do, the, the next step that they can make in, in leaving their own little kingdom and start living for your kingdom. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that does not know you today. Lord, I pray either through what has Nate unpacked the gospel or as we talked about sin and, and, and as Christ, is what he has done to save us and to, to give us his righteousness and to take away our debt, to whenever we take time and communion and be reminded of what Christ's done, Lord, that you would send the Spirit to change a heart so they may respond, they may repent, they may turn from trusting in their own little kingdom and truly trust in yours. Father, I pray that you would do that today. Lord, I thank you so much that you cared so deeply for us, that you have a wonderful plan of redemption to bring us into your kingdom. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.